as some of you know, what we're, the month of September at Gracie Van is a month where that we set aside to nominate men for the office of elder. What are you looking for? You're looking for a man who desires the office, number one, but secondly, has been singled out by the Holy Spirit and unction for the job. Now, how do you know that? How do you, figure, how do you pick out the ones that the Holy Spirit has unction for the job? Well, that's when 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 will help you. Because 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 um, give you a basis on which you might screen uh, men for this office. So it gives you a list of qualifications, a list of requirements that you suppose, you're supposed to be using uh, to examine and, and to measure men who might be good for this office of elder. Now, guys, in these two passages, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, um, depends on how you count, there are 29, maybe 30 different character qualities that are mentioned as qualifying marks of an, for the office of elder. What I have done is taken those 30 qualities and I have, I have lumped them under seven different headings. It's on that orange sheet. I've taken all, I've taken the similar ones and there's some bleed over guys and this is certainly, that orange thing is certainly not inspired. It's just, I just put this thing together that would help you uh, walk through it with me tonight. I've given you seven different sections. And then text that come out of 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. Paul is giving to Titus and to Timothy things that people need to look for when they're considering men who can lead them. And so what I've tried to do is, is put those things together under seven different headings that you will uh, hopefully be able to, re to recall. Now, guys, again... You're thinking, about, um, you're thinking about using one of these things to nominate? Great. I wish you would. I wish you'd nominate tonight. If you're a member of this church, you nominate tonight. Do it. But understand, even on the back, these two passages are mentioned. You nominate with these two things in mind, these two texts in mind. And so you think, okay, they, uh, they said they have a desire for the office, now, how do I know whether the Holy Spirit has singled them out? Well, I'm going to, as best I can, I'm going to, I'm going to evaluate based on these two texts. 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. Now, the first one that I, that I put down on your little orange sheet has to do with, um, uh, we're just going to call it for sake of argument. We're just going to call it a certain level of maturity. Okay. Uh, the, the, the text that you'll find in that little block there, there's a couple of them, uh, but the one that, that is somewhat um, difficult to, to understand is 1 Timothy 3, verse 6. If you'll look in your text, it says, he must not be a recent convert. Um, okay, so there must be a level of maturity on the part of the man that you choose. He must not be a recent convert. The discussion ensues over what does recent mean? Uh, how recent? 
Uh, guys, that's, that's where it's a little bit difficult. I'll tell you what, I'll just give you a little bit of a rule of thumb. You can use this or this is just mine. But I would say if you're talking about somebody who has not been a Christian uh, five years, you're probably, you're probably not, there probably hasn't been enough uh, time for them to deepen and become this devout man that is mentioned in Titus chapter 1 verse 8. There has to be a level of maturity. And you know, the, the, the thing that brings about maturity is life. Boy, I'll tell you another thing that brings about, or at least um, <laughs> encourages maturity, is, is kids. You know, uh, live with them for a while, and, and they'll grow you up just a little bit. But the thing that you must keep in mind is you are not looking for a recent convert. You're not looking for a new Christian to lead you. The text clearly says, um, stay away from... And, and by the way, look at the text, First uh, Timothy 3, 6. Notice why. He, gave, he must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. You take somebody who's a recent convert and put him in the office of elder and you've done him a disservice because it, uh, it, 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 it leads towards a high view of oneself that could be damaging to the self. So that's the first thing you're looking for. You're looking for a a measure of maturity. The second little block there is that he must be a capable, an able handler of the word. I'm just going to give you um, a, a knowledge of the word. Now, again, I'm um, knowledge of the word. All right. Now, guys, um, l- look with me at First uh, Timothy three verse two. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, hospitable, able to teach. Do you see that? Now, that's where, that's where the confusion arises. Does a, does a man, to, to be in office, to be in the office of elder, does the man have to have the gift of teaching? Does he have to teach a Sunday school class? Should he be in a position where he's teaching a Sunday school class? Guys, I, I, I would tell you heartily, no. The, the whole idea of being able to, let, let me show you, um, if you've, if you've got Titus in your finger, Go to Titus chapter 1, and let me read you just verse 9. Here's what Paul has in mind, I think. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. There's the ability to teach. You don't have to have the gift of teaching. You don't have to teach a Sunday school class, but you have to have a certain knowledge of the word so that you might be able to... Um, Answer those who object, that is, who are uh, trying to uh, present error. There must be a, a, a fundamental knowledge or a depth of knowledge of God's Word so that you can enter into and refute error, correct error, you know, that kind of thing. So when it talks about able to teach, yes, um, men need to know it, be able to defend it, and are they themselves taught by it? But not necessarily do they have to have the gift of teaching to occupy this office. But without this depth of uh, grasp of God's Word, you probably ought not um, identify them as one of your elders. The, the third block um, is that this man must be marked by self-control. We're going to talk a little bit more about this a little later, but... Guys, um, there's several things in that little block that I want you to see. Self-controlled, temperate, sensible, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine. Um, 
guys, um, I don't know where to start. That, let's just look at the number four then. Not quick-tempered, folks. The last thing that you want in the office of elder is an angry man. Um, I've told you this before, and, and I'm, this is, I'm, I'm speaking foolishness here. But I'm going to, just to make my point, I, this is just foolishness. I've decided that you can eliminate all 30 qualities and reduce it down to one thing. You want to you find out who should be leading, to, uh, leading you? Then just find out this. Just ask this. Is he happy? <laughs> now, I really don't mean that, but I'm telling you, if you're not happy, the last place you need to be is in the office of elder. Uh, angry men produce confusion, not good leadership. People who've got their, their, their angry because their marriage didn't work out like they wanted to or their kids didn't work out like they wanted them to or they thought they were really going to be president of the company and they didn't, never didn't make it and they got bypassed. You know, guys, uh, I mean, uh, that happens to all of us. But if it's left its mark in you such that you're an angry man, eh, you don't want to be in this office or you don't want him in this office. But th- th- he has to be marked by self-control, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, guys. <laughs> I'm sure there are some in this room who would like to have a nice long conversation. By the way, um, you'll, you'll, you'll notice that it's in First Timothy three three, and what it says in, in my translation, it says not a drunkard. But ladies and gentlemen, I, I hate to do this to you, but but I just because I think there's so much false thinking in the South. Um, it doesn't say that he can never have a glass of wine. It says he cannot be a drunkard. I, I, you know, the old King James says he's not addicted to much wine. <laughs> uh, the emphasis is on the much, I guess. But, guys, all I'm saying is, for heaven's sake, don't make a silly issue out of that. There must be a, 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 a man who's controlled. He, he knows how to speak to himself. He knows how to control himself. There's a, there's a certain sense of self-discipline. He can supervise his own desires. Um, that kind of man. But if you run out to at the restaurant and find this man enjoying a night out with his wife and has a bottle of wine on the table, and you say, well, he doesn't qualify. Well, that's foolishness. That's not what the text says. Uh, I, I'm telling you, we can talk a long time. I'm just trying to... Oh. <laughs> Could you hear me while that microphone was not on? Uh, Thank you, Sean. <laughs> um, everybody ears, everybody ears perked up when we started talking about the wine thing. Uh, all right, but we're talking about people who are self-controlled. All right, the fourth one has to do with him managing his family well. Um, I'm just going to put family up here just so that you can. Now, guys, this is the most controversial one. Um, this is the only one of these seven that has really uh, two subsets: his marriage. And his children, or we'll put children. Um, he manages family well, and then you'll, you'll notice there's a clump of, that he's a, a husband of one wife. Oh my, is that debated and discussed, and there is there, uh, really. Um, gang, um, how much should I say? Um, elders are called to lead two families. They're called to lead their own family. They're called to lead God's family. 
if you can look at their family and say, that family is out of control, then that's probably not somebody you want as an elder. Um, I can tell you this. I had, in fact, where is she? Uh, She was here earlier. Um, Guys, um, if you really want to know whether you can trust me, you really ought to talk to her. There's a, there's a wonderful proverb, and, I, and I, I, I don't have it in my notes, and I wish I had it, but it talks about fervent lips that cover a wicked heart, yada, yada, yada. Guys, just because somebody can preach to you or can lead your Sunday school class or can perform well on a stage doesn't really mean anything. It means that they have a certain gift of gab. Um, what you have to look at with some degree of closeness at is the family and the family unit. You know, um, one of the reasons that I love to have you in my home is maybe you get my wife in the corner and say, I mean, is he really that obnoxious all the time? But, but guys, um, family life should be of interest to you. You should be asking that question. Um, there's several things in there about your children. Um, what we have sought to do is say that children are children when they live in your home. I mean, for instance, where is this one? Um, uh, having his children in submission with all dignity. I mean, can you imagine a 40-year-old child being in submission to daddy in all dignity? I, do you get my point? I'm saying once they leave your roof, that's not the children we're talking about. We're talking about is your, are your children within your home um, is there a certain proper, appropriate decorum about the family? Now, in terms of the marriage, guys, this husband of one wife thing, um, I'm telling you the Christian church is completely divided on both ends of the spectrum. Uh, who exactly is Paul prohibiting from the office of elder? Um, is he prohibiting the never married? The, uh, Husband of one wife. Does that then prohibit the never married? I think not. Uh, does it, does it prohibit the polygamist? I, I think it does. Guys, uh, the polygamy is not a problem in this country, but try Africa, where polygamy is a problem. Uh, he must be the husband. Uh, is it prohibiting the widowed or the widower from being in the office of elder? I don't think that squares with something that Paul says in Romans 7. Um, is he prohibiting those who have been guilty of marriage infidelity? That's the big question. Um, I would say to you, yes, um, that a man who leads God's family must have an unblemished reputation in the area of sex and marriage. He must be faithful to one wife. Now, I just I, let me tell you real quickly. That's not. I, I'm not saying it's the minority position. I'm not saying it's the majority position. I'm telling you the Christian church is divided. Uh, at Gracie Van, that is the policy. That's where we stand uh, because we are we, we're we're trying to rightly understand. Uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 6, it also mentions it here in 1 Timothy 3, 2, the husband of one wife. We're trying to rightly interpret that. 
and the Christian church is on both ends. We have chosen to be on the end of is a man who has uh, a blemished reputation from marital infidelity disallowed from the office. We have chosen to say yes. I hope you got that. The the um, the fifth thing, um, <laughs> relating well to other people. Uh, how do I write that? Other people, um, guys. That is that there has to be a reputation outside of. Um, um, well, well. Let, let me hold on to that. Look at those six things: not pugnacious, uncontentious, not self-willed, hospitable, gentle, just. Gang, um, there's, there's lots we could say. For instance, hospitality. That Greek word is the word phylloxenia, uh, which means the lover of strangers. There's got to be a certain warmth to the, house, to the home of the elder. It's got to be, at least in some measure, open. Uh, look at the word gentle. There's a sweet reasonableness to this man. There's a, there's a yieldedness about this man. Uh, he's he, he's um, he's teachable and trainable and and is willing to to yield and give. Put somebody on the on the um, on the eldership that is pugnacious and contentious, and ladies and gentlemen, sooner or later you're going to have yourself a nice little church squabble, which we up to these first 16 years have been able to avoid, because you have chosen men that are not pugnacious, that are not contentious, that are not self-willed. They're gentle. There's a certain gentleness that is required and necessary and needed on the part of men who lead God's family. Guys, I know this is going to come as quite a shock to you, but in the Christian church, there are some pretty weird people. And they can be awfully challenging at times um i mean you <laughs> if you only knew some of the phone calls that we field from time to time but if you're contentious if you're um if you're self-willed then what you tend to do is ride roughshod over odd people and um there's no place for that in the leadership of God's. Let me tell you, odd people are just as difficult for any of us. But you don't want to put somebody in the position of leading them who does not know something about a sweet reasonableness to them. Find those men that are sweetly reasonable. Put them in the office. Uh, the 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 six. I think that's six. Yeah, the the sixth thing. Uh, he must. Uh, what I wrote is that he must have a proper set of values. Now again, guys, uh, I, I'm looking. I was looking for a category to lump these things. Free from the love of money, not unduly fond of gain, a lover of the good, and I lump them under this heading. They must have a good value system. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Uh, um, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Um, I was just told recently, recently in the last 30 days, by a pastor um, that is somewhat known to some of you, 
And he told me that if any man was pursued the office of elder at the church of which he was the pastor, they must first turn in their 1040s to the business manager. <laughs> Did you hear me? Their tax returns. They must turn in their tax returns to the business manager of the church before they were considered for the office of elder. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, let me just say this to you. Here at Gracie Van, we are not ready to take that step. <laughs> but guys, when, when, the, when the Scripture says that they're free from the love of money, that they're not unduly fond of gain, what does that say to you? What kind of man is that? Well, let me just say this. I, I mean, I, I'm never going to know what anybody gives in this church, and you know I don't. I stay out of that. But if a, if a man is not giving to his church, and yet he's leading her, what would that say to you? I hope I, 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 hope I don't ever find that out. I mean, I, I don't want to know that. But guys, uh, there's a certain value system. Um, and it includes being free from the love of money, not unduly fond of gain, and a lover of the good. Something uh, to consider before you nominate. And then finally, he must be a man of good reputation in the community. Um, look at these words. Uh, you can look at the text later if you'd like. Above reproach, without reproach. That's really the same thing. Respectable, of good reputation before those. That's in verse 7. Look at, look at verse 7 in 1 Timothy 3. Um, for we, no, I lost it. Um, moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders that he may not fall into disgrace and snare the devil. So, guys, uh, you're considering nominating a man who owns his own business, but in, the, in his industry, he's considered a crook. But he's very well thought of over at the church. Guys, there is a concern that we have to have about people who lead us and their reputation outside of these, this 15, 1,700 people. Is their reputation in their, in their industry a good thing? I mean, are they respected by their peers? Not in this church, outside the church. Um, the office of elder is a public office that requires public esteem. Um, it can be marred by no disgrace. And so if there is a, a, a professional or a corporate disgrace, then, then that wouldn't be somebody that you'd want to have in the office of elder. He has to be above reproach. Now, guys, um, i got about four summary comments, but any man who sits on our eldership and any of you that are sitting out there thinking still, this is an awfully high standard. Um, I think if you were to go to our elders and ask every one of them, they would all say, I don't measure up to that. I don't think, I, I don't know what to tell you about, we're not looking for perfection, but we are looking for the marks of these kinds of things in the men who lead us. These things have to be Apparent to you, not apparent. They must be known to you before you put their name on that little blue thing over there. 
Now, um, here's something. I didn't write all seven of those up there, but um, here's something I want to do. Um, hold on. Th- those are the things that you need to be looking for. Those things right there. All right? Now, notice what is not in that list. First Timothy 3 and Titus 1. Let me, let me show you what's not in that list. This is, these are things that are not on the list. Education. It's not on the list. Um, personality. That's ah, not on the list. You know, he's got charisma. That's not on the list, ladies and gentlemen. Um, skills. Abilities. Gifts. None of that. None of that is in those, is in those texts. Um, oh, his, um, his accomplishments, we'll call them. That is, oh, he owns big company. Uh, oh, he is uh, the president of whatever. Of Universal Widget Company. Now, guys, these are all wonderful things. I'm not trying to demean these at all. These are all wonderful things that you would find on any uh, job application. But we're not looking for employees. We're looking for elders. We're looking for men who will lead the people of God. And this stuff needs to be ignored. It also has nothing about he's a nice looking guy. He dresses well. Now guys, we can snicker all we want to, but um, I bet you you've been in situations where the, the nomination went something like this. Well, let, let's see. I mean, he's, uh, he owns his own company. And uh, I mean, my goodness, he's, he's got the gift of evangelism. It doesn't say anything about gifts and abilities and skills here. I mean, he can really balance the books. I mean, he's a great accountant. That's not what we're looking for, guys. None of this is on there. Let me see if this works. Um, It didn't. (laughs) Um, None of that's on there. But let me tell you what one word summarizes all of 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. One word. It is character. So you're looking for leaders. This is what you're looking for, ladies and gentlemen. Not this stuff. I, I'm not, I'm not, if you're looking for an employee at your company, I, I commend you for looking at all these things. I'm not saying this is bad, but over when we're looking for elders to lead God's people, this is what we want. You know, guys, if I read it one time, I, I'm so sick of reading it, and, and I'll tell you, the staff will tell you, I'm sick of reading it. You'll pick up a book that's written in the Christian church today talking about um, leadership in the church, and chapter 1 invariably is that leaders have to be men of vision. If I hear that one time, I hear it a, a dozen. And I'm telling you, I don't agree with any of them. 
It's nice to have vision in your leaders, yeah. But the issue that you're looking for is not vision. I don't need any vision. God's got plenty of it. What I need to do is resemble Jesus Christ. I need to emulate Christ in the power of the Spirit. And He'll lead me where to go. And He'll lead the ruling elders where to go. He'll show them where to go. Now, guys, leadership does have strong opinions. Yes. You want them to have... What kind of people do you want to follow? You want to follow people that feel like they know where God is taking you. Yes. But, first and foremost, you don't care whether they got a plan for the sports complex. You want to know that they're men of deep, solid, abiding, holy, biblical character. Not this stuff. You want to know why you want such strong character in those elders? Um, oh, I skipped one thing. Dead. I tell you, I'll, I'll just tuck it in the last. See if you can find Hebrews real quick. It's right before James. Or after Philemon, if you can, you know, you'll find it. See if you can find Hebrews 13. Now, all I'm, all I'm trying to ask, all I'm trying to say is, um, why is it that this should be so important to you? Uh, apart from the text, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, pointing out all character qualities. That, that, that's the, but here's why it needs to be really important to you. Hebrews chapter 13 Verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. You know what? You know what you're supposed to be doing to these people that you select? You're supposed to be obeying them. And if I were you, I'd want to have people of the most stellar of character to obey. Because you're going to answer not only for the people that you put in the office, you're going to answer for your obedience or disobedience. So I, I, I would, I would tell you that the best people that you ought to be obedient to are the men of the greatest depth of character. The people, the men who look just no, they don't look. They look a whole lot like Jesus Christ. When they walk in the room, you hear the soft sound of sandaled feet. They smell like Galileans. Talk like Galileans. Find those people. And nominate them and elect them. I'm going to say one more thing and I'm done. This is what I left out. There are two places in 1 Timothy 3... Verses 6 and 7. He must not be a recent convert or he may be puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Verse 7. Moreover, he must, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil. Isn't it, is it, is it interesting to you that the devil is mentioned twice? That is, that these men that you, you nominate and elect are men who are often the target of the evil one. 
Put the wrong men in office. And watch the devil have a heyday. So guys, um, I'm not trying to discourage you from nominating. I'm trying to encourage you to pray through it soberly. And then find men who are as closely resembling to these two passages as you can find. Not, who, not the ones who got this, but the ones who got this. Put their names in this little blue card, and then in December we'll come, we'll come elect four new ones. How about that? Next week, Romans 9. Let's pray. Our Father, I do pray that you will continue to, to grace us with the kind of men that you have been pleased to give us in the past. Men of character. Men who long to be more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Men who are not satisfied with the way that sin entices them. And I pray that you will not curse us by giving us wrongful elders. Have mercy on us, O God, and give this congregation the great leadership and wisdom of the Holy Spirit as they choose very soberly and very carefully the men to whom they will give glad obedience. We commit the whole process to you and do so in Jesus' name. Thanks, guys, and good night.
We commit the whole process to you and do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys, and good night.